Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. have a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And when you get there, let me know you're there by saying, I'm there. Ephesians chapter 6. Are you there? Uh, Not too many of you there. Are you there? Uh, You there? Ephesians 6. How many of you know where Ephesians 6 is? Right after 5. Right, that's right after 5. Yeah, right after 5. In the first week of April 1945, the Allied forces had pretty much broken the back of the Nazi regime. Official surrender of the Nazis wasn't until May 7th. For that month, it was tempting to think that warfare was over. But if we look back historically, we see that tens of thousands of people were killed Hundreds of thousands of people were captured during that time. The hard truth is that although the back has been broken of the enemy, there is still a battle that goes on in our own lives. Jesus won the battle, no doubt. But you and I are still in warfare every minute of every day. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after, after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains." Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would put into our heart the salient points of this passage, Lord, and bring an awareness of the warfare that we are in. We ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. It's easy to forget that we are in a constant state of warfare, but clearly we are always under attack. Paul here describes these darts of temptation, and he, he reveals to us that the only way really to fight those is with the shield of faith. We're going to talk about that shield of faith this morning. It's important for us to recognize that those, those darts are temptations, temptations to doubt, temptations to, to lust, temptations to covet, temptations, any, any temptation. That's how the enemy attacks us. Being a Christian requires that we must learn to overcome temptation. Not a single amen. Not a single amen. Just for the sake of the tape. So that you can redeem yourselves in front of the podcast world out there. I'm going to try it again. Every Christian needs to learn how to overcome temptation. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Clearly, you people are with it today. We're tempted by the world and we're tempted by the devil. What we're really talking about here today is demonic temptation that comes against us, the stuff that's being shot at us. First, the good news. 1 Corinthians 10 says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are, attempt, are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So what percentage of temptations have a way out, would you say? 100%. 100% of temptations that you gave into last week, the chocolate cake, the fourth taco, you know what I'm talking about, all, all the temptations that came your way, every lustful thought, every covetous, every greedy little thing, every dirty little thought, everything that came against you, there was a way out. 100%. And it seems as though we have been given the ability to withstand temptation, and yet when we yield, we are guilty. Some people think that grace removes all sense of guilt, the fact that we are under grace, but I don't think that's true. I think the, the, the guilt that still is on us, that guilt reminds us of our need for for. Forgiveness. And we're so thankful. When, when I was reading that passage of Scripture in Psalm 103, and it came to that part where it says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. If that's not good news for you, I don't know what. Because uh, every single, you, if, you know, if I was like, the devil was like Oprah, he would say, you go to hell, and you go to hell, and you go to hell. Everybody would be going to hell, Right? Except God's goodness is that he doesn't treat us according to the way we should be treated, but according to his level of grace. The guilt that happens when I fall into sin, the guilt that happens when I uh, uh, give in to a temptation, that guilt is to remind me, 
not to keep staying in that mess. Look at your neighbor and say, get out of the mess. That guilt, by the way, leaves us compromised so that when we go before the, the, the Lord, we recognize there's a something between us, some, something that's a hindrance between us. And so we frequently have to go to the Lord. In fact, I go to the Lord every time I go to Him. I immediately confess my inability and my unworthiness to be in His presence. That's my very first prayer. Lord, thank You for hearing this prayer of this unworthy servant. It doesn't mean that I beat myself up. It doesn't mean that I hold on to that, that self-image that says that I'm a sinner. It tells me that I have this, this avenue into the presence of God. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But I must learn to deal with temptation. Now I want you to think for a moment about all the temptations that you've faced in your life. Think about them all. There's been a number of them, hasn't there? How many of you have temptations that have come against you in the past that are no longer temptations for you in the present because of something that God has done in your life? Raise your hand nice and high. Overcomers. Now, that doesn't mean you overcome every temptation, but there are temptations that you no longer give into because you learned, it's possible to learn, it's possible to get, get through it. The fiery darts of temptation, doubts, unbelief, frustrations, circumstances. I'm so frustrated right now because of a delivery that I was supposed to have at the farm on Wednesday and then on Friday and then at 9 o'clock this morning and yet the delivery still hasn't happened. So I'm thinking to myself how, in the middle of worship, how can I deal with this frustration? And the Lord says, lay it on somebody bigger than you. So, in my worship time, I'm laying it on him and then taking it back and telling him how aggravated I am about it and then laying it on him. Then, taking it back and reminding him how aggravated I am about it. And then laying it on him. That's how we do sometimes with these temptations. We, we wrestle with them for a while. According to the scripture, these are fiery darts. Darts that come with fire on them. That's, a, that's like an arrow that has some kind of cloth wrapped around it that's soaked in some kind of a pitch or oil or something. And it's shot with the intent to not just pierce and kill, but also to set ablaze. Thedusides, I think his name is, says that these were hollow arrows, that they were often filled with oil, and when they were shot, they exploded upon impact and spread the oil out around the things that were, whether that's accurate or not, is not the point. What Paul is referring to is this flaming dart that comes into your life when you're minding your own business. If you believed that someone was in the bushes outside this church, going to kill you, 
in, in the past, actually, not too long ago, somebody's told me that they were going to do me in when I left the church. And I changed the way I left the church. Right? I, changed, I was more prepared for action. <laughs> 60-year-old ninja cancer survivor, you know, repressed anger. Listen, I've been in the ministry for a long time. I haven't been allowed to punch anyone for many, many years. But if you come and attack me, I think I'm clean to clear. I'm minding my own business. You're going to get some. You might win, but you're going to get some. Changed the way I walked because I wanted to make sure that whoever was out there trying to murder me, that that person that was coming after me, that person would not have the jump on me. But that's not how we leave church. We leave church like this. Woo! That was good. Woo! I, th- I had goosebumps running up and down my spine. You know, the devil doesn't care about your goosebumps. He doesn't care how high you jumped when you were in here, how loud you sang, how much you prophesied. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. All he cares about is he's going to get him some of you when, he, when you leave this place, and he's going to do it with a fiery dart. That means you're not going to see him jump out in his red pajamas with the horn hat and come out at you and say, I'm the devil, let me give it to you. You're going to be minding your own business and all of a sudden, and then you smell smoke. And you're like, something's burning. What is that? It's me, it's me, it's Ernest T, that's who it is. That the, the fire comes after us. The fire comes with the purpose to destroy our life. To wreak havoc. Why? Because he's not content for you to live for God. See, if he just shoots you with the dart, you fall down and die. But if he sets you ablaze, several other people got to deal with your mess while you're smoldering on the floor in the sanctuary. That's the purpose, to wreck your life and to make a show of wrecking your life so that you are on fire and people are scratching their head going, I can't believe it. Look how messed up he is. Look how messed up he is. And and he's supposed to be a follower of God so it can wreck your life in front of all these other people who are watching your life. But you have been given the equipment necessary to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. You have been given it. It's the shield of your faith. I'm told that the Roman shields were prepared for battle by taking them down to the creek and soaking them. They were made of leather. Soaking them so that they could extinguish the dart as soon as the dart came to it. The, 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 the shield is provision. The shield is the provision. The, the water is the word. Soak the shield of your faith in the word. Just fill yourself up with the word. So you're just full of the word. So that when the darts of the enemy come and hit the shield, the word, the word immediately extinguishes those darts. You should go over and saddle up to that fine looking lady over there and tell her how 
beautiful she looks. Extinguished. Why? Because you know what the Word says. Right? God's provision is this great shield of faith. But if you have a shield that is not soaked in the Word, then you don't have provision. You have a problem. You don't have a provision. You have a problem. Because now you're walking around. Yeah, it's a little lighter to walk around with a dry shield. But when you have a dry shield and the fiery dart hits the dry shield, the shield immediately begins to burn. And now you've got a problem. Because now you have to let go of the shield of your faith and drop it right there. And that leaves you more fully exposed to all the important things. Your heart, your lungs, all the things that, that the hunters are trying to shoot at. Because they're trying to do you in. So, if we recognize what, what, the, what the Scripture is saying, what Paul is saying to us when he's talking about this, he's saying that temptation comes with this specific purpose, and you have been given provision, not only a way of escape, but you've been given a shield of faith that if it's full of the Word, will extinguish the dart that comes after you, and you have been given the provision, you have the equipment to dodge the temptation. God is good. Look at your neighbor and say, God is good. God is good. He's given me enough. I have enough. I can do this. I can face temptation. I can look a, a full slab of ribs right in the face and say, I'll have the salmon, please. Salmon. You'll say it like that. The shield of faith. Let's talk about the anatomy of temptation. James chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now, I've been pastoring for 30 some odd years. I have never had anyone stand up and say, the Lord delivered me from a lifestyle of abuse of salmon. Why is that? Why is it? Because that isn't our desire. Our desire is to get stoned. Our desire is to get drunk. Our desire is to run around. Our desire, the desires of our flesh are things that are, that are living there on the inside of us. And, and no one ever says, you know what? I just feel compelled. I feel a compulsion for another salad. I just got to have me some more lettuce. And except last week when romaine was suddenly poisonous. <laughs> then everybody wanted a Caesar salad. That's only because you couldn't have it. And how many of you found out you can't make a Caesar salad with iceberg lettuce? You cannot do it. So you have to recognize that it's your own desire. God doesn't tempt us. Well, why do we pray, Lord, 
don't leave me in the place of temptation. In the Lord's Prayer, every day we pray that, right? Every day we pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. We're not saying, we're not blaming temptation on God. We're saying, God, be merciful to me and guide my path away from the chocolate cake. Don't make me walk right by the brownies. Don't bring me to the place where I'm fully engulfed. Be merciful to me, God. Let there be a way of escape that's easier for me to see because I'm not so smart. Do you ever pray that prayer? Lord, clearly I cannot see the way of, the way of escape. I only see the brownies. That's all I see. And so we have to begin to see ourselves as these people who are enduring this temptation when there's a way of escape. We recognize the, the anatomy of the temptation is that God isn't tempting us. He's not sending the temptation to us. But we are the ones who are drawn away by the evil that's on the inside of us. Look at your neighbor and say, it was me all the time. <laughs> yeah, oh, not so many people excited about saying that, huh? It's always been you, stinker. That's who you're the guy. You're, we looked at the enemy, and you are the enemy. You're the one who's leading yourself astray. Let everyone be careful, be aware that you are one you got one foot in the kingdom and one foot on a banana peel. Right? That's the way you are. You are one foot in the kingdom, one foot on the banana peel. And when the temptation comes, it all has to do with what decision you're going to make. Banana peel or you're going to make kingdom decision. And you're going to get to make a lot of those decisions today and tomorrow and the next day. You are going to be so practiced at handling temptation that you will be able to give testimony next week of the myriad temptations that you were able to face victoriously because of this. Recognize that temptation comes with a specific purpose. Right? The sin comes. It works on the inside of you. It's conceived. It gives birth to sin. The desire then the, it gives birth to the, 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 the sin on the inside of you. The desire is there suddenly now. And then when, it, when it's fully grown, fully grown, that means it's growing, the fire comes into your life with that fiery dart. Not, this isn't a candle. You light a candle on a birthday cake, that flame stays about the same size the whole time, right? That's not the devil's purpose. His purpose is to set your whole life ablaze. In other words, that fire will grow. When sin is fully grown, when sin is fully grown, what does it say in James? Death. Satan comes to work death on the inside of your life. That's not just some little thing that you're given into. That's death that you're allowing to live at your place. To live in your heart. Make a bunch of those stupid decisions and you're just allowing multiple fires that are burning inside of your life that are bringing death to you. And then you come to church on Sunday. And you say, Pastor, can I pray for people? Well, I don't know. You stink like the fires of death. You smell like the fires of death. How can you who allow all that death on the inside of your life Give a word to someone of life. 
Come on now, let's be honest here, right? Is that the per- let's, let's put it this way. Is that the person you want praying over you? No. You, know, you want life. You want somebody who l- is learning to live the life of God. You want that person to be able to pray over you, right? You don't want somebody who smells like the fires of death. You want that person to be at the altar next to you. You want to be able to pray with them that God will help extinguish the fires in their own life. What, what, what God is trying to do is trying to get, make you so that you are un... He wants to make you a non-flammable Christian. Non-flammable. So that, you, so that when temptation comes, it's extinguished right away. It's not a sin to be tempted. Right? It says in the Scripture that Jesus was tempted in every account just as we are, yet he did not sin. So we know that temptation coming to you is not a sin. But yielding to temptation... Now, I don't know how, where there's a line in my mind. I don't clearly have where that is. I kind of know when I've crossed the line. You know what I'm talking about? I I usually know after I cross the line. Right? Right. You you don't see it right away. If you walk in the kitchen, there they are, homemade chocolate chip cookies. Now, you know what the doctor said. But you say, I'm just going to have one or two. Right? One or two. Is one or two sin? Nay, nay. One or two is not sin. Nay, nay. Is... So you pour yourself a cup of coffee, you have two. Well, you still got more coffee in your cup. <laughs> Come on now. You're in the presence of God. You got to be honest here. You look down in there and you're swirling around. I got a half a cup of coffee left. That's two more. Bare minimum, two more. So you grab two more cookies, and you suddenly realize, oops, more cookie than coffee. You go back over to the coffee pot, and you fill your coffee cup, right? Isn't that right, brother? You fill the coffee cup up, now you got a whole other cup of coffee. Now you got more coffee than cookie. And you wrestle with this geometry problem over and over again until you have a different problem. Right? Somewhere, and at some point, the Holy Spirit says, Oh, what are you doing? And you look back, and you're about six, eight cookies deep at this point. And you're like, Well, they made them for somebody, Lord. That's how it is with every temptation. We see it. Even if it's something that's good, we can abuse the good things to make them evil for us. Right? So we have to, I mean, we can't see the line out there. It's not, you know how in football, you, they have the artificial line on the screen where you can see if the guy made the first, first down, right? But, but the guy on the screen does, the guy, he's not on the screen, he's out in the field. The guy on the field, he doesn't see that line. He has to be aware. He has to look over at the sidelines to see if there's a flag. There's no blue line that moves around. Some of you look surprised by that. Okay, well, so that's the wonders of technology. And we're like that. We're running, trying to go only so far. 
But we, we don't see the line. But after we cross over, we're like, yeah, that was the line back there. Yeah, that was, that was the line back there. So we have to learn how to, how to handle ourselves in this temptation process. So let's, let's take a look. A couple things you got to do. Probably favorite scripture in the Bible, James 4, verse 7. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to doom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. We don't have time to get all the way into that, but let me just say, there is the recipe. Submit yourself to God, then resist the devil, right? Before you walk in the kitchen, sniff. If it smells like chocolate chip cookies on the other side, you may have to invoke the holy presence of a holy God. Lord, give me strength. You told me don't eat chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to go in behind this door. I'm about to enter in, and I'm about to be in chocolate cookie land. And as I walk in the chocolate cookie land, they're all going to be crying out to me, come eat me, come eat me. And I'm going to be walking through that, and I'm going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow cookie. Please be with me. I submit myself to you. Now you have the cookie-less anointing upon you. You have submitted yourself to God. You can walk in and say, ain't no big thing. Right? You can walk past those things because you submitted yourself to God, and now you can resist the devil, or the cookie, as the case may be. You now resist the devil because you're submitted completely to God. That's how it happens. That's why we have an altar call in church. For you to submit yourself to God so that when you turn around, you walk out in the cookie land out there, you don't give yourself into every cookie that's available for you. Every dart that the devil throws at you so you can bring yourself to full submission. No submission, no resistance. Right? Your resistance is so half-hearted. You walk into, boy, those cookies smell good, but you know, I'm not in the cookies right now because the Lord has done something inside of me. And I'm, let me just taste a little one. Did you make those special like you always make them special? Because let me just taste. Oh, yeah. That's mama's recipe. Right? And then the resistance crumbles. See, this is the problem. Without the submission... We don't have the ability to resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He has to flee from you. I used to think he had to flee from you in the first 10 seconds. And then I lived my life a little bit. And I realized that he can hang around for a long time and tempt you. How many of you know that to be the truth? He can spin around and say, are you sure? Because when I walk out that door, I ain't coming back with no cookies for you. I saw something on Facebook this week. I passed it on. It said, you can't get delivered from your demons when you're so comfortable hanging around them. You have to have a good Holy Ghost hate for sin. 
for the wedge that it drives into your relationships, for the destruction that it brings into your life, for the things it's going to do to your marriage and to your kids and to your body and to the, and to the friends around you and to the people who are watching your witness. You've got to have a good hate for that. That hate comes out of that submission to the Lord. I submit myself. I resist the devil. Then I draw near to God. Okay, God, me and you, we're walking into cookie land. We walk into, wash your hands. Wash your hands, you sinners. Cleanse yourself. Mortify the flesh. There's a word we don't use in church. We don't like to mortify the flesh. What do you mean? Mortify. Mortify means Put to death. Put to death your flesh. You can rebuke the devil, but you cannot rebuke your flesh. Oh, that's good. That's good. You can't say, appetite be gone in Jesus' name. Not a quarter to twelve on Sunday, you can't do that. You cannot rebuke your flesh. All you can do, all you can do, is rebuke the devil. So here's what I do. I won't go through all of them. Grieve, mourn, wail. You know, repent for, for the things that, that, that you've done, the, the mess you've stepped in, all the stuff. Give yourself over to God. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom, and then humble yourself before God. And it says, He will lift you up. That's a guarantee. So, here's my strategy of resistance of the flesh. Mortification of my soul. you got to pray. you got to pray. you got to be praying all the time, but you have to pray. If you're going to resist temptation, you have to pray, and you have to be living in that land of prayer. Right? Number two, you have to know yourself. Pastor Dave, it's so cute how you use chocolate chip cookies and chocolate cake as an illustration because I so relate. Let me tell you, sister, the reason that I do that is because that's not my thing. I don't, I, chocolate isn't my thing. I talk about chocolate all day. I don't even have any desire to go have chocolate. It doesn't mean make anything. I know some of you are just like, you know, like a junkie in the seat. I got to give me some chocolate. But uh, not me. <laughs> not me. I could talk about it all day long. Now, mashed potatoes and gravy, that's another thing right there. I like that kind of food, I, I, but whatever. <laughs> Not going to go down. i got to know myself. This is things that I have to know about myself. I, I can't, you know, if you're, if you're a chocolate freak, don't walk through the cookie factory. Right? Just avoid it. If you aren't supposed to have cookies, don't hang around cookies. Then you have to know what temptation looks like. Most of the time, we have a trouble with that. How many affairs start off with friendliness? Right? I just thought we were working together, and we just worked really well together, and, you know... He listens when I talk, and my husband at home, he doesn't listen at all. He just had a head in the game and flipping channels with the remote. I say something, and this guy at work, he respects me. He turns and looks me in the eye and says, that is brilliant. 
suddenly now you feel validated, right? You didn't say, today I'm going to go have an affair. But now you start feeling the machinations of something stirring in that. Some fiery dart is now flaming up in your life because you don't know what temptation looks like. Listen, when you're, when God has given you what I have here, I have to be very careful how I handle myself. There's a lot of sexiness right in this. I understand it. I understand it. But when I go out, I don't go in full frontal hugs. I give the good old evangelical side hug. Why? Because I don't want to cause any ladies to stumble. <laughs> and because I could stumble. Know yourself and know what temptation looks like. Do you find yourself suddenly drawn to somebody and you can't say no? You realize the skids are off and you're sliding. Bail! Jump off the train. Once you know what temptation looks like, adjust yourself accordingly. Don't go in those places. Stay in the Word. I was so disappointed in Lauren Daigle. You know who she is? The singer, the, what a, just a phenomenal voice, big singer. And they asked her about some specific sin and she waffled on that sin. She said, I don't know if that's sin or not. Oh, come on. You big coward. Just look them straight in the face and tell them, well, the Word of God says that's a sin. But why is it that we, we bail on that? Because we want to be liked. Because we want... Listen. If you're in the Word, the Word rings true in you. And you, it sets the standard. It sets the standard for our life. I don't have to wonder about these things because I know God has designed. He's designed it the specific way. This is how life works best. That's what, that's what he's saying. Life works best like this. Why am I embarrassed to say, yeah, that's the way it works best. That's what God said. Well, I think. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think. Well, pastor, don't you want my opinion? Not in the least. My position here is to educate you on what the Word of God says. If you believe differently than the Word of God, then you have to take it up with the author of the Word of God, which is God. You say, well, I, how can I serve a God that I don't agree with? Well, we go back to rule number one. Submit yourself. Jesus is not just a friend, no matter what the Doobie Brothers said. Jesus is Lord. If you don't understand what Lord means, that means boss. That means what he says goes. You say, well, I, don't, I, just don't, I just don't know if I can do that. Me either. I don't think you can. It's going to take a work of the Holy Ghost in you that will bring you to the place of submission. Well, aren't there things that you're not sure of? A lot of those things. 
And so when I'm in those places, I don't defer to my own carnal mind. I defer to the Word of God. I say, well, this is what he said, so I'm going to do it. Does it make sense to me that I should give 10% of my income to God? Every time I do that, I go, well, it would be so much easier to live with this 10%. But my experience has been that God makes ways for me when I give him the 10%, God makes ways for me. They have to, you say, well, oh, I'm so offended. Tough beans, be offended. I might leave the church. Well, then you might have to. That's the bottom line. Because my goal is not to make us a thousand deep. My goal is to make us spiritually deep. And whatever the number of people that are in here, my, my goal is that we're all working the, for the same Jesus. Ooh, I'm getting fired up. Don't... Don't get me riled up. But that's the truth. If you came for a little dabble, do your faith, you've got to go to the church down the road. This is all out. All out. Discipleship. This is what we're supposed to do. Discipleship means God knows what's best. My life is moldable. He's going to shape me into whatever His Word says. You say, well, I don't know what the Word says. Well, then read it. Well, I do read it, but I don't understand it. Well, then ask someone. You say, well, I just don't know who to ask. Email me. Email me your question. I'll answer it. Whatever your question is. How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Whatever the, whatever the ridiculous question that you have. I will answer your question. If it's a really good question, I'll remove your name and I'll put it on the the, the, my, the pastor's blog so that other people can learn from your question. So we can all grow together. That's my, that's my whole job. Is That's my whole job to do that. To put you, well, what do you think? Now, if you ask me, when's the Lord coming back? I don't know. I'll give you the biblical answer. Soon. Sixth thing, pray, know yourself, know what temptation looks like, adjust your life according to that, stay in the word. Sixth thing is, get rest. If you aren't rested, you will get bested. Oh, that was good. Get some rest. You will give in the temptation every time you're tired. Because it takes energy. To say, no cookie for me. I'll have the salmon. Look for the escape. Look for the escape. That's number seven. Number eight, if you can't find the escape, run. Flee temptation. That's what the Bible says to do. If, whether you could see the... Just Run. If you can't find the door, just run in circles. That's the truth. Just run. Just get running. Just get running. You just have to get, get on the move. Get away from the temptation. I, I don't have an answer. I don't have the wherewithal. I don't have the strength. I don't know the Bible verse that's going to help me get... Get, get, stop, 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 stop. Just get running and go. And if you get to the door and the door's locked, oh no, run the other door. 
locked. Run to this door. Do I need to keep, do I need to do all the doors? At least then when you finally give in the temptation, you can say, Lord, I look for every escape. But there was no escape. I ran myself weary. I gave in because I didn't have enough rest. See, God wants to set you free. Now, I know that's funny. But that's all true. And I want you to take a second and ask yourself, in that temptation that's doing you in, what is it that you're not doing? Are you not in the Word? Are you not rested? Are you not fleeing because you're afraid of what it'll look like to people around you? You know, we want to be the big bad guy, don't we? I can handle anything they can throw at me. No, you have to understand who you are. Wimpy. You are wimpy when it comes to temptation. The devil is not all powerful, but he's more powerful than you. And he's shooting from the bushes. You don't even know where he's at. He's a, he's a satanic sniper. And he's looking to shoot at you. Probably already is shooting at you, but even if you've got some kind of sanctuary in here, as you leave this place, he's, he's got you in his sights. We need to pray. We need to pray. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.